Hello, Jeff. Mischievous little hello there. <laughs> You're up to something. Sorry. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jeff. We're uh, in a brand new location today. You know what? When when you listen, I listen to other podcasts, and they say when they always start. Despite 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 the fact I know who they are, they always say, "I'm Jeff Watts, and I'm Paul Goddard." Do you think we should do that? Do you think people won't know who we are? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Hi Jeff. I can't, I can't imagine anybody would be accidentally listening to this wondering how, I who the hell these two people are. I suppose. Just trying to make it sound professional. Maybe maybe don't, people don't know who's who. I don't know. Can't see the faces. You're the good looking one. <coughs> With the nice sounding voice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll... Well, we're in Maidenhead. Maidenhead. I've never Berkshire. been to Maidenhead before. It's the first time. And... No pun intended, but we are in a pub called... Well, I think the pun is intended, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I don't think they accidentally well, chose maybe, this pub's maybe, name. Well, maybe this pub was here first. The pub was called The Maiden's Head. That's right. You see what they've done there? Uh, That's very I do clever. See what they've done there. And it worked because it drew us in. It did. We, had, we felt we had to go and have a pint in The Maiden's Head. And we, that's where we are. What are you drinking, Jeff? Well, the, uh, the barman actually called me the wrong beer but it's turned out quite nice actually it's 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 a hawaiian beer hawaiian yeah called big wave uh, which it's quite nice it's, it's golden in color a little bit fruity not too heard, fruity but a little bit fruity i've never heard of a hawaiian ale before no not me it's quite smooth easy yeah it's all right it's, I'd, I'd have another one would you yeah it's not too fruity a little bit hoppy i quite like my hoppy beers so yeah oh. Quite enjoying it. What have you got? I've got a pint of Lily's mango cider. Mango? Yeah. Which okay. you wouldn't think that they could make cider out of mangoes, but they have. So they've made, it's made out of mangoes rather than apples, rather than apple cider that's got a mango flavour? No, I, I think it's mango. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked properly. I haven't <laughs> researched it, Jeff. But Just called it mango cider. It sounded, it sounded interesting. I thought I'd give it a pop. Alright. It's from a, a brewery near where I live, in Froome. Yeah. Spelt Froome, but said Froome. Froome in Somerset, which is just literally, literally just down the road from where I live. Mm. Back home. Back home. And I, I, I've been told off in the past for using accents, but Somerset's one of those places I can't say without say saying in Somerset. In Somerset. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's the limitation of your oh, yeah. Somerset accent. Very good. Cheers. Cheers. I've got a bit of ice in mine. I've got a bit of ice. Oh, it's nice and warm outside, isn't it? Yeah, or not. Freezing. Really cold. Okay, so. So, what's on, Jeff? What's on? What's happening? Um, well, I don't know. Well, for, for those, those of you listening, Paul and I have been working together today. Had a real client. Proper work. Proper work. Proper, proper work. Proper stuff. Yeah. Not just um, play work, proper no. work. And so, we've had, been talking to lots of people who are at the same company, doing do some good work. Spread of roles from architects, product owners, scrum masters, uh, some engineers. Um, and yeah, helping them at relatively early stages of their journey. Mm-hmm. Been, uh, well, I'm very, I've really enjoyed it. it was a pleasant day, actually. We don't often get the chance these days to <coughs> actually, and this, so this is like, just like a, a, scrum, a two-day scrum course, which we don't usually get the chance to teach we're very much independent these mm. days that don't really mix those 
those type of, type of courses up, but it's nice to do that. I felt a little bit on the edge, on edge, Jeff, I'll be honest, with you there. Some, someone of your stature and calibre uh, keep an eye, an eye on me, but um, no, it was good, it was good fun. It's just like the good old days, hmm. like the good old days. Yeah, some interesting, same questions, a lot hmm. of them, same questions that we had 10, 12 it's years amazing, ago. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, and we, we immersed ourselves in some conversations that for probably a good 20, 20 minutes, yeah. 25 minutes over something that we wouldn't spend, you know, a few, very, very, relatively a few seconds about between ourselves, but it's something that when you actually get to the grips of it, something as basic as sprint length, isn't it? Sprint length, yeah, that, well, big conversation about that today, didn't we? And we just kind of throw it away these days that, well, you can use a variety of sprint lengths, but we went into a bit, bit more detail about why. Hmm. Well, years ago, there was no choice, was there, really? I mean, if you, you did, did scrum... Ken's way or the highway. Yeah, if you did scrum, your sprints were one month long, one calendar month. Yeah. If it wasn't one calendar month, you weren't doing scrum. Because uh, the extreme programming guys were all a bit antsy about that, saying, well, our iterations are two weeks long. Yeah. And gradually, over the years, those sort of boundaries blurred, and then you know, one month became the upper limit. You can have shorter. Mm. Um, but I think two weeks very quickly became the, the the most common. Yeah, still is, isn't it? I think, it's, I think I, probably just about. I would say I I, I, I haven't captured any data because that'd be quite dull, I suppose. <laughs> um, I think three week sprints are, are I would say quite common. I would say it probably goes two weeks, then three weeks, then four weeks, then one week. Mm. In my experience, oh, no, I think the, uh, the state of Scrum report would back that up from, from when I read it last. Okay, mm. yeah, of course, according to the data. But it's interesting that so I read, I reread when I was writing my book, I reread Ken, Ken's book for, for something in particular that I was looking for. But and in there, he's he said that his intention was that a sprint would be to use his words. Mm. A creative, a hotbed of creativity. Yeah. So, and I very much, I still kind of, I believe that that I think if you're doing a creative piece of work, giving yourself as a, a longer, you know, not necessarily a, a, a massively long, but giving yourself a little bit more time to think about different approaches, different options, more creative. Um, uh, ways of doing something, you can, you can, you need to be able to slow yourself down a bit and take, take more of a gradual approach to doing it, and that's I think what, what Ken originally saw from the idea of a 30-day sprint. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Still now, I think teams in two-week sprints are less innovative. Yes. Less creative. Less experimental. Yes. Than teams that have. You're less likely to try something, you know, or fail if you know you, you're on yeah. time pressure to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is fine, but I, I, I think it can. There is a risk that the shorter sprints can lead to very much a, a sort of <clears throat> terrible analogy, but sausage factory type churning things out. No yeah. time to really stop and think. Just no. Keep turning that wheel. But. I think that's possibly why the three-week sprint is, has made a bit of a comeback. It's sort of somewhere in between. It's been a bit of a, a surge, isn't it, recently, in terms of more teams doing that, taking a three-week option. The, the, the calendar month 
I'm pretty sure my memory's a bit hazy at that time, but I'm pretty sure um, one of the arguments behind that was it was a good first of all it was a good balance between being able to get something substantial complete. Mm. Um, of course, engineering practices and environments and things were a lot harder to to to, to work with then. Um, but also balancing that with the ability to change, mm. because you're operating in an environment where cha- things are changing quite frequently, uh, and it tended to tie in with sort of the business cycles, you know, monthly reporting cycles, things yeah. like that. Um, I can remember in BT when when we used to manage our sprint backlogs using Excel spreadsheets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can I can picture them now. Even the the tabs were labelled January sprint, February sprint, yeah. March sprint. It was in, in some respects, it was easy. There was no sprint numbers. Yeah. It was just January, February, March, yeah. April, May, June, and yeah, you just had twelve tabs on your spreadsheet. That's all I had. Have you used to get really hung up on the fact that you know February only had twenty-eight days? Yeah. So it's like, oh my, velocity's going to be all over the shop. Yeah. And you know, July, people lots of people on holiday, and December has Christmas. So I made the mistake. meaningless. And yeah, we used to like double up. We we, used to, we went. We used to combine July and August sprints. All these terrible mistakes Paul used to make when he was a bad scrum, scrum master. Stick July and August together because yeah. then, you know, everyone's off. So just make it look like we're doing the same, but it's taken us two months. So, yeah. But I think I read something, a blog from Mike, Mike Cohn. This is, this is probably quite again 12 months ago, I'd say, but he said that two weeks has kind of become a little bit of a, of a story point game that you know it's, it's almost like how many points can we achieve in two weeks like mm. that like that's the purpose yeah um and because they're shorter sprints the, the emphasis is on delivering on productivity and, mm-hmm. and velocity and points and that type of stuff so i think if you need to perhaps need to look, look at something a bit more creative to, you know perhaps experiment a bit more so what would your advice be to a, a team now that's starting off and about to start their first sprint what would you, what would you say uh well, I think when they start, I think if you're if you're looking for feedback on the process, I think you do need a shorter sprint. I think if teams are new to it, um, then they you want to, you want to embed the idea of the process. I think quickly. So the iter- the active iterating should be a short one for a new team. But, but you know, I'm not completely averse to. You know, if you've got a creative piece of work coming up, why wouldn't you schedule in a, a slightly longer sprint? I, 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 obviously, there's the downside that we might lose if the game is in, is in, is to be able to project data. Hmm. And I've spoken to CEOs and you know C-level executives who literally think the game is this a velocity game. Hmm. If if companies believe that they're playing the velocity game, then there will be no scope to change sprint length. Hmm. Um, but if you've got a team that's not really too interested in velocity, they're trying to create something new or experiment with something different, different things. You know, why wouldn't you relax those boundaries a bit and try something out? Mm. There's no harm. Mm. I think a more experienced team would be able to do that. Well, experienced team was an interesting one. I remember when I years ago when I was thinking about sprint lengths teams that I was a scrum master for. I remember having a discussion about <coughs> sprint length. I think one member of the team, one of the developers, said that he would like to go for a two-week sprint. And my response was, I, I don't think I don't think we know, I don't think we've got, got it yet. I don't think we're good enough 
to to do that yet. I think we need to have a longer sprint so that we can. You think there's more learn discipline stuff. needed for shorter sprints? Well, at the time, I remember saying, I don't think we we've, we've really got the process good Understood. enough yet. I don't yeah. think we, we we know what we're doing yet. I don't think we we, we know enough about our capabilities to be able to predict the, the amount of work we can do in two weeks. Probably need a little bit more slack, I suppose. I think I don't know how yeah. to use that word, but that kind of thing. Um, and his argument to me, which I thought was a very good one, and I, I probably hold to this day now, is that he said, "Well, actually, it's probably the other way to look at it. Yeah. That we weren't good enough. We didn't know enough. So therefore, we should have a shorter sprint because if we don't know enough and we are going to get things wrong, well, let's only waste two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And by by trying to do things in two weeks, then we'll you know, find out these things a lot quicker, and yeah. then." be able to take action on them, get better quicker, because you'll have a retrospective after two weeks rather than a month, and you'll have more data when it's quicker, and then once you've got things in place, you, ha- you are a little bit smoother with your British, you can take advantage of a longer spread. Mm. So, it's quite counterintuitive in a way. Yeah, seems like you should relax a bit more. Yeah, give yourself a little bit more breathing space, or embrace the pain, if you like. It's I'll go on record, I've never been a massive fan of fan of one-week sprints, and I'm still, to a degree, not. Mm. It's uh, rare to find a team that can cope with that sustainably. Um, just the, the overhead, the, act, the, you know, the intensity of the iterating, of the meeting frequency. In Nokia, we tried it, and really, you, when you break it down, you start on a, we used to start on a Monday and then on a Friday. Bad choice, really. Well, that's but, an interesting one, and that's something that people just don't think about, do they? Well, they, maybe they do now, I suppose. But yeah, but at the time, it just seemed like the logical thing to do. Yeah, you start work on the yeah. start of a week as a Monday, easy, and the end of yeah. a week as a Friday. But obviously, the downside is that you don't really... Well, people will be mentally checking out on Friday at lunchtime. You, yeah. Do you really want a critical sprint review mm-hmm. type? And people aren't really going to engage. We, we found that people didn't engage in a retrospective on a Friday afternoon because they'd already, they're already yeah. in the pub, so... And more people are away on Mondays and Fridays. Yeah, bank holidays, yeah. all these types of stuff. Long weekends. Yeah, so again, in hindsight, but but we tried it and really only felt that you've got three, maybe two and a half to three days of actual work done. Yeah. When you take out all the meetings, the daily scrums, the, the backlog refinement, all that type of stuff, it didn't... The guys used to say to me that we don't even think we've got started in this. There's stuff that they couldn't even get started in, in three days. Yeah. So... It was a little bit management-led, and that BT suffered from that as well. I remember in one view when we were in Glasgow, they came down and they imposed. They went, I think they went from three weeks to two weeks, or maybe it was two weeks to one week. But there was a, a management-imposed change to sprint length that just in an attempt to standardise, and it didn't work. The teams kind of rejected it because they said well, we can't get a piece of work done in, in two weeks. We can't finish it technically in two weeks. So it's flawed. I think it really has to. Has, the team will tend to know what their natural cadence of work is. Yeah. There's got to be that fine line between getting something done, getting the right amount of feedback, but also just working and iterating sustainably. Yeah. Mm. Those three things. So, what would your advice be to a team starting out? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just said it, didn't I? Um, you start with two, three, four? I'd probably, wow, yeah, I'd probably start with two. Yeah. Start with a two-week sprint, because I know in terms of 
It's the critical, the, the, the meetings, for a new team, the meetings are the, are the critical part, aren't they? Or are they? Are the meetings the easy bit? Is it the gaps that, need, that, that the teams need more of your time with? It's an interesting one. Maybe that's... That's a whole other... Well, I was just wondering, yeah, that might, that might branch off into a whole new podcast. Yeah. Because as a coach, we I think about if someone if a client comes to me and says, "Can you come in and help us out?" Yeah. My automatic response would be, "Well, let's try and schedule a time when I can come in and see some of those planning meetings, those retrospectives, those refinement sessions happening." Yeah. And we spoke about this before, is that you do get kind of get this false impression about how things are going when they know you're coming in on that day. Yeah. You don't really see how it's actually happening. No. No. I mean, my experience is to begin with in the early stages those meetings are very mechanical yeah um, and over time when they get more comfortable and more just just experience it a little bit smoother they can try different things they can um, just do things in a different way and it becomes a lot less formal mm. and natural mm. Uh, so, <clears throat> do they need help with that? Well, they, yeah, they do, but there's only there's only so far. Only, you can only go so fast with a team, yeah. you know, coach, and get them started. And just accepting that sort of mechanical start, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe it's probably. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to answer this question in my head. The, 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 so the days in between, a lot there is a lot more of that time, and a lot more of that should happen. But I think it's probably less, less intensely collaborative. Mm. Um, so it it's a little bit like easier to get on with your stuff in the early stages. Yeah. I used to again going back to this the sprint length idea. I used to. So I was a when I was in the early days when I was a junior scrum master and you know first PT projects, monthly month long sprints, thirty days or or slightly less. Um, I used to, I remember the, the countdown towards planning. It was and it literally was because it, it happened so infrequently. There was a, there were in my head and on my calendar, you know on my la- on my um, laptop the calendar there'd be a countdown about days to planning and it would be this this kind of pressure that would mount up. For you, for me as a scrum master, because because I, admittedly the, the the PO wasn't really completely um, embracing the whole yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I had a quite a hard kind job. Of carrying them, yeah, but there was this, and they shouldn't think about that's again one of the symptoms of is that a symptom of a longer sprint length that there is more pressure around key milestones, key deliverables. The sprint review, the, 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 the planning session. Well, it can be a, almost a self-creating problem in a way. It's not the right phrase. I was thinking self-reinforcing issue. But the, you know, if you've got a, a month-long sprint to prepare the product battle for and a month-long sprint to review, that's a bigger deal than if it was a one-week sprint to plan for, yeah. to create a product battle for, to create a few user stories for, yeah. and to then review. So the, the, you know, the bigger chunk of time that you're planning for the harder it is the bigger deal it is um, so it's a, perhaps it's about spreading that, that pressure out over because we used to get a lot of kickback from the development team for spending two days in meetings yeah which would happen at the end of a month long sprint you'd have a day to review <coughs> and retrospect yeah. and you'd have a day for planning yeah 
So I mean, we got better at that pretty quickly. But. Yeah, but but you know, and we had to do it in location, remote locations with product owners. So you take the whole team out for two days. You didn't get much back from that, mm. which. I know that's technically the same as it would be for two two-week sprints, yeah. but it's it felt like more of a a dirge if you know for as a developer to be stuck in a room. I'm not coding now. I'm, I'm stuck in a room mm. doing planning for two days, yeah. and I, I think we got a lot of kickback from our uh, the first development teams that that kind of thought this, this is a big um, overhead in meetings that you're with. every month you want us to be in the room for two days. Mm. But it's the same. We get the same thing now with one week sprints. So you get, you know, you you you're in a room for 15 minutes at a time or whatever. So yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I I've seen firsthand how actually month long sprints can conversely have a different have the opposite effect of that in a way by saying, well, this is how much time we have and limiting it, time boxing the planning. Yeah, we actually managed to to spend less time in planning overall. Or Maybe, maybe I'm going one step too far, just to clarify a point you made there. Just to take the really basic numbers, in a one-month sprint, you should have a day, you're yeah. allowed a day for planning, and in a two-week sprint, you're allowed half a day. Yeah. So if you average that out, it should come up to the same thing. So yeah. there shouldn't really be any extra overhead either way. Depending no. But you're having more meetings or longer meetings, depending on which hurts you or is more painful. Uh, but in a one-month sprint, you can find that actually there's an acceptance that you can't plan everything at the start of the sprint because yeah. some things will change. True. So you almost end up, some teams will end up planning two weeks worth of work, the first two weeks of the sprint, and then thinking, just asking themselves that more generic question of, are we comfortable that we can work this stuff out during the sprint and get it done? Mm. Which allows them to effectively have half a day's planning session for a one-month sprint, Yes, if that makes sense. Yes. Obviously, you can't see me waving my hands around, <laughs> which hand, helps with the explanation. Hand gestures <clears throat> going on here, but yeah. Interesting. Do you th- I mean, I still get pe- people now. Do you get teams that will come to you and say, you know what, sprint lengths, they don't apply to our work. You can't, you can't put a finite sprint length on what we do. Yeah. Yeah, not very many, though. I, 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 the vast majority of teams that I've, I work with do like that sense of certainty with regards to time boxes mm. and predictability. Mm. Um, so, you know, the every second Wednesday or every third Tuesday or whatever we're going to have a few hours planning and we know that it's in the calendar Mm -hmm. Um, people love certainty I'm sure we've talked about this before and in a world where so much is unknown and so much is changing and I'm not just talking the wider world here I'm talking more about software development or complex projects having that certainty of sprint length and predictability there and every day we're going to have a daily scrum and we're going to ask the same three questions and we look at the same people mm. that reduces that level of anxiety a bit but i think it's also designed maybe intentionally by schwaber and sutherland that it, it's designed to put some pressure on to a degree that and you think about when we started in bt the first you know alnor came in alnor ramji the first well the, the new ceo came in from the states and said cio cio close mm-hmm. um, edit that about uh, but uh, he said I don't care what project you're on I don't care how difficult it is you yeah. can deliver something in 30 days that was I'm uh, sorry 90, 90 days 90 days that was his opening gambit wasn't it yeah. that, and everyone kind of scoffed and said you're ridiculous you can't do that but there's an, there's an intention of that with the sprint now that it's going to be hard mm-hmm. it's not going to fit perfectly but you've got to get something else a piece of software out of, in, of your team in 30 days if yeah. possible yeah, yeah. There's and still I, people that disbelieve it, but I quite like it. As as open 
minded and as pragmatic and as flexible as I am, I do quite like that that rule of you know, a month is your upper limit. And I get a lot of time, but we can't actually yeah. get our work. Can't break smaller. it down enough. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the response is, well, you have to yeah. find a way. Yeah. Actually, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, kind of thing. You know, when faced with a, you have to find a way to do it. Most teams can, and obviously, the, we have nicer ways of doing it, and we can question, and we can ask about acceptance criteria, and tell us a story, and all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. and ask the questions of a five-year-old to help them find different ways of splitting these stories. Yeah. But um, without that, that, that constraint, they would just say, "Well, let's have a six-week sprint." Yeah, and it would creep into eight, six-month yeah. sprint. Yeah. You were in waterfall role, exactly. And yeah, it's, I still get people now that say that. And there's, it's going to say something else then, but it's gone. Pregnant pause. I don't get that bound. Don't know. I'll come back to it in a minute. Oh yeah. So sometimes I'm sure that that. It's not a fear, but that that response, that uh, initial um, pushback, is because it seems illogical and inefficient to to, to break that work down in such a way. Yeah. And to an extent, it is. It can it, be. It can be. It doesn't always have to be, but it can be yeah. that you you might have to do. If you were to do this in two pieces, that seems expensive and, and time-consuming. Yeah. But the advantage of that is it gives us two decision points. Yeah. So if we don't like what it is, we can change it. Or if it's working enough as, as we see it, mm. then we then it's fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, and we saw that in, in this course today that we ran. There's people that you give them you give them a, a certain amount of time to do an exercise, and they'll fill the whole exercise yeah. with doing one task. Yeah. Which which instead of questioning what's the simplest thing I can do with a product owner, they'll they'll take the full amount of 20 minutes or whatever it is to do what they think is 20 minutes worth of work where, where it could really have been done in two or three yeah. that's referred to as Parkinson's law yes the amount of time required to complete a task expands to fill the amount of time available it's funny isn't it I think we've had this conversation before as well well maybe not recorded but we certainly I've spoken to you about this before so what about changing your sprint length if, it, if, it, if you don't feel it's working for you what do you think about that I think you should. I think I think if if, so, if the team feel that they're con, they're artificially constrained in such a way by their sprint length, whether it's having an effect on their morale or their productivity or their creativity, they should feel empowered enough to change it. I'm, with a caveat, I don't. It may. I don't think there's going to be a perfect sprint length. Okay. So I, I'm not suggesting that you keep changing it to go to, you know, we should have a 16-day sprint, and if that's not right, we'll try a 17-day sprint. Like round numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, I think there's never going to be a perfect sprint length, but you've got to pick a, a pace that you that the team can kind of... It's that consensus thing, isn't it? Can't, yeah, you know, I may, I may not really like it that much but I can I can kind of stick with three weeks or I can stick with two weeks I can we can achieve something within that yeah but there's nothing to don't get me wrong there's nothing and this question came up again today is that there is still if a team is 
matured enough to be uh, perhaps doing more continuous base releases or continuous deployment activities, there's nothing to stop them reaching that de potentially deployable stage before the end of the sprint. Yeah. And if something is ready, if something is deployable, there's no reason why you technically wouldn't deploy it. No. So my question to you then, is there still value in having a sprint review when things have already been deployed? It's a good question. I think so. Why? Um, well, I, I, I see teams that use the sprint review as effectively the chapters of the, the story of the, of the development of the product. Um, it's not just for historical collection or recording of events. It can be useful for sharing you know, progress with, with other stakeholders that want to keep an eye on things but yeah. don't want every deployment reports emailed to them. No. Um, and if we've got huge confidence in our deployment processes and we've, you know, we've got collaboration throughout the sprint with product owner or perhaps certain users or representatives that, and we're confident that what we've done works and is, and is good then I don't see why we should have to wait until the end of the sprint to deploy it. No. But equally, we should be having a review of that process as we're going through. I mean, I'm quite—I'm a big fan of doing something different in sprint reviews. Anyway, I mean, I hate getting into this whole idea that you walk into the same meeting room, do the you know, yeah. answer the same questions with the same attendees. So you know, why not do you know a bit of a team thank you event or something mm -hmm. like that? It doesn't have to be, you know, get a few of the, the customers involved, get a few of the account, account managers involved, stakeholders. Go out for a team meal or something like that, or mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be. You know, if, if people have already seen the, the, the value of their work and they've seen um, the good job they're doing, then just take a bit, of, take time out to actually thank people for it. And you know, there's nothing, there's no harm in doing that. No, no. Why not be more creative with that meeting anyway? Well, we're, we're branching off again, which is fine. This is how these things work. But the sprint review for me is, a, is another bone of contention because I. I don't find many people that actually call it the sprint review, but no. call it the sprint demo, demo, which kind of bugs me, or the show and tell. And I know it was deliberately not called the sprint demo because it was meant to be a multi-directional conversation style meeting mm -hmm. where we should be reviewing the product. But equally, we, it's not just about reviewing the product. For me, it's an opportunity for the stakeholders to review where the product's going next, so reviewing the plan, the product backlog, and things like that. It's, We've got some new ideas, or we can see how the product is taking taking shape, and yeah. opportunity to give some thoughts and insights and where it might go next. Mm. If we've seen everything that has been delivered, then it's a great opportunity to say, well, what's next? Mm. What do we think we're going to do next? Mm. How are we doing on time? Just one other thing, um, while we're. Um, Getting all nostalgic about okay. kind of the um, the original Ken Schwaber kind of. I mean, we we both talked with Ken mm. a long time ago, and it's just a measure of, of really of how um, the Scrum Guide and and the Scrum, if you if you had to call it a syllabus, the kind of the stuff that we teach mm -hmm. and coach has changed. When we first started, mm -hmm. unless tell me if my memory's wrong, but. There was only one thing that was called the sprint review. Yeah. At the end of the sprint, there was no such thing as a sprint retrospective. Not as a separate meeting, no. No, but it was, it was decreed that at the end of the sprint, you did a sprint review, which included a retrospective on the product mm -hmm. as well as a retrospective on your process. Yeah. That's kind of changed maybe in the last 
forward five years, I'd guess. I'd be guessing. I'd then. say more. But Would you? But it's just a measure of how. You know, you look back to the, the way that we did things, the original books that we used to guide us, that ideas have changed. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily... Not drastically, Not really, drastically, but just the mechanics of mm. things have changed. Just like 30-day sprints have kind of been, maybe for, for good or bad reasons, but have kind of been superseded by shorter sprint lengths. Yeah. 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 I was asked the question. Mm-hmm. Most of these topics seem to be... Sure, it's, uh, it's not related at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was asked this question: Is there a Scrum-specific term for project sponsor? Well, we hear the, we hear the term project sponsor quite a lot, don't we? Do you? That's a Prince Two term, isn't it? I think so. Prince type term. We well, we had a conversation. We had a question today about what's the difference between a product owner and a product manager. Mm. Um, and the project sponsor, I suppose, fits into that conversation as well. Mm. Well, that's a separate topic. Probably a well, given the time, it's too too big to get into now. Right? Okay. So yes, it's nice to reminisce, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else on sprint lengths? What other questions are there related to sprint lengths? Well, we could always ask people to, to send us some. Done starting days. What's the best day of the week to start a sprint, Jeff? What would you say? Well, I'd say in the middle of the week, not a Monday or a Friday. Personally, I think probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm, I like a Wednesday. <coughs> middle of the week. Yeah. End on a Tuesday. We used to, in the latter stages of Nokia, we used to end, start on a Wednesday and end on a Tuesday. Hmm. Yeah. Quite like the idea of um, experimenting, not necessarily within one team. But especially if you're in a medium to a large size organisation. You know, have some teams that run two week sprints, some teams that run three week sprints. Yeah, yeah. And see, and get some feedback from them. And again, this came up today, but this, this desire to standardise, we feel mm. we have to have a company, yeah. the, the word came up, we have to be united. And I, I don't think that we do. I, don't, I think if some teams like working at shorter iterative paces, then what's the problem with having some teams that don't? I think you're losing out. By doing that. I get, I do, I do get the benefits, absolutely do. And obviously, if you're working together, synchronising is, is a great thing. But but you would argue if you've got a continuous deployment mechanism within your teams, yeah. well, there you can. As soon as something is ready, you can deploy it. Why would you need to stick to sprint lengths arbitrarily for, across all teams? Yeah. I mean, I would make an argument about managing dependencies across teams might be easier for them, but perhaps yeah. not. But no, you, there are benefits to a degree of consistency but you're missing out on so much as well you're operating in an uncertain environment a rapidly changing environment with so many variables that there isn't a best practice there isn't a best way and so learn as much as you can and get as much data as you can about your environment would be would be something i would wholeheartedly advocate so have some teams try two-week sprints some three-week sprints some four-week sprints Uh, try different tools try different um, metrics or metrics. Some teams with a burn down chart, some teams try other ways of, of you know, managing themselves. Um, and just, just, I mean, I feel quite strongly about it. It gets too, what's the word, it's the medical words, sterile. Yeah. If you're just focused on doing it 
this way, creating our standard version of Scrum. Mm. A cookbook. Yeah. Remember the cookbook? What was it? So in BT we had a phrase called the cookbook. A lot of us invested time in. Was it just like a, a standardising or voca an understanding of vocabulary within the company as to what certain things meant? Yeah, I think it. I don't know whether I really had a lot to do with it. I know there was um, there was a desire. It was a wiki page, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like our internal version of Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like a glossary. Yeah. Of this thing, this means this, this means that. And if I, I might be completely wrong on this, but I, I have a feeling that there were some case studies put on there as well. Yeah. So it, was, it wasn't like a recipe, follow this, but that, I think that it was, was the impression it, that the term cookbook gave. It was done in in conjunction with ThoughtWorks, wasn't it, I think, as well? They were involved. Oh, so, yes. So a lot of the ThoughtWorks vocab came through that. Bloody iteration manager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, ThoughtWorks, if you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was... There was that as well. Didn't didn't go very well. No, but again, good intentions. Yeah. Didn't work out. No. No. I know I know there were certain um, members of the management team that were really, really keen on the Agile coaches creating a playbook, very American. Um, step by step in certain circumstances, right? Do, this. do this. Yeah. Which I know the, the agile coaching team resisted quite a lot because it wasn't they just couldn't do that. Yeah, it's, it's human nature, isn't it, to want recreatable recipes? Well, yeah, blueprints. Um, it's the, again, it maps back to the whole education system, academia. You know, this kind of fact, factory approach, in, industrial revolution approach to you know widgets and bolts mm. and repeatability and scalability yeah. doesn't wash people are, people are much more clever now well, it, it makes sense if you're in an environment that, that, it, that it suits if it's predictable but people aren't predictable Jeff no no but if human systems are not predictable at all no but if the work is predictable well, then yeah. you can use process you can use processes. Yeah. to try and reduce the variability on the human side of things yeah. follow these processes and everything's fine but in an agile environment in an agile world we're operating on the, the opposite premise the work isn't predictable mm. you do the same thing you're not going to get the same result mm. it's software isn't it it's, it's complex product development um, so you can't you can't rely on that you can't plan that out which is one of the things that drew me to it I, yeah. I, I, predictability bores me in a way yeah. so I quite like the, the new the changing the unpredictable there we go we were slightly meander today it, was, it started off sprint lengthy and then mm. it all went bit sprint review-y mm -hmm. points are empty yeah time for a refund. Time for a game of darts, Jeff. Can I say a game of darts? We've got a dartboard in here, ladies and gents. So, if you are following us on Twitter, um, if you're not, it's uh, at the Agile Podcast on Twitter. You can follow us there. Please reach out. Yeah. Um, send us a, a tweet if you want to ask us a question or just say hello. We always like to know who's listening. Um, or you can leave us a comment. We haven't had any comments yet, Jeff, on, um, on SoundCloud. If you're um, following us on SoundCloud, you can comment on, on any of the episodes there. 
you can subscribe on iTunes and we re- really would like a review on iTunes as well obviously only if it's five stars <laughs> um, but yeah leave us a review leave us a comment and um, if, you li- if you like these we'll, we'll keep doing them so speak to you again in a couple of weeks yeah cheers, cheers everyone cheers